Welcome to the Vox Community Podcast. Learn more about the Vox Community at voxoc.com. Join us at 10 a.m. on Sundays in Placentia, California at the El Dorado Performing Arts Center. All right, let's go. Let's go, let's go. Good morning. A little Duran Duran this morning. Anybody? Anybody? A little dirt. How old are you? 33. Okay, that's fair. So you kind of missed the 80s. What? Well, hello, Todd and Darla. Hello. Justine is excited you're here. Justine is excited you're all here today because um, if you're not here, we, we may not eat. Uh, and so we're, we're thrilled. Uh, welcome to Vox. We're so glad that you are with us today. A couple of things. Number one, we had a kickball tourney last week, in the, and it was a scorcher. It, you had to want it. So let me show you the winning team right here. Let's see it right here. The winner of the first annual Vox Cup right there. Right there. Receiving, receiving the golden leg. The golden leg trophy. It is that team right there. Was that the blue team? Blue? Did you have a title? Because we can't just put blue team on the trophy. We need some sort of, some sort of title. Blue. The blue team. Um, and, then, uh, and then secondly, the other big, big news is um, we're going to go to two services in three weeks. Now look around, look around. There's plenty of seats here. We're not going to two services because we don't have seats. We have lots of seats. We're going to two services because we are a church that loves people that sit in the back row and the back row is full. And so we're literally, we are literally, seriously... By the time, in 15 minutes, you will look back and that whole section is toast. And I can't see them. They hide. They love it. They sneak out. We love those people. All right? These people up here, anybody can do that. But to sit in the back row, man, you got to be special. All right? So, we're church built for back row people and we're full in the back row. So, we're going to go to two services in three weeks. We're going to have a nine and we're going to have an 11. All right? And it's going to be glorious. I could tell you're all excited about that. Now, and then when that back row fills up, who knows? Who knows? We may have to move more chairs in the back row. I have no idea what will happen at that point. It's just, this is the next step. Um, uh, If you're new with us, welcome. Uh, You can go to our website, voxoc.com, and find out all the burning questions you have. Uh, All the information you need is right there, voxoc.com. There's also a way to... um, to give us your information so we can spam you. Um, and uh, so we love doing that. And, uh, or if you go out on the table, there are information cards. We'd love, uh, we'd love to get your information and just uh, have a way to communicate all that's going on in our community. All right, any questions on that? All right, Chad. This is our friend Chad. Say hello, Chad. So this is how, this is what I looked like about, uh, about 10, 10 pounds ago. This is encouraging. Yeah. yeah. This is your future. I'm working. I'm working. To work All right. Out. So we have a huge value uh, to tell stories and to hear the stories of other people along the way. So Chad's going to share a bit of his. Thanks, ma'am. Yeah. Well, good morning. Um, okay. So um, I'm going to give away the answer to kind of what I've been talking about because I I have wife, I diagnosed ADD, so I'll probably forget some of it along the way. <laughs> so, um, one thing I just want you guys to know, 
is this will be a little uncomfortable, at least it was for me when I was sitting where you were and someone was talking about this stuff. Um, but you're not alone. And there's, Jesus loves you, there's a place for you. He can turn your, your story around like he's turned our story around, my story around. So, there, so you're, you're, you have value, you can overcome uh, these types of things. So um, I was born in uh, Canada, that's the benefit I had to start off thing. Yes. Yeah. Or so, what we call it North Michigan. <laughs> you call it neighbors to the north. We barely have an identity up there. But, um, and I was born into a Christian family. My mom and dad uh, took us to church all the time, and, and uh, that's kind of what I was born into, and, and that's been pretty much my entire life. But early on in my life, um, pornography became a, a part of my story. Uh, when I was about 11 years old, I found this, my buddies and I found this uh, semi-trailer with some recycled magazines and whatnot, and that became a hangout for us, and that kind of began my journey in, into this and became a lifelong journey. Um, so that's kind of where that goes. Now, I wouldn't be up here today if I didn't have uh, a, a wife that just is committed to Christ, and I'm so thankful for that, thankful for her, uh, to walk through life with a, with a guy like me. So God has a sense of humor so I'm going to tell you, I, I've got, I feel like I've lived four different lives. Uh, one of these lives I'd rather not live, but I've lived. And uh, this is the second time that my wife found out exactly who she married and who I am. So I want to share with that a little bit. We did the first time was brutal. The second time was brutal, but kind of funny in a weird way. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, okay, so... Uh, I, I don't know, I, I'm average Joe, by the way, and I have a, I have a house, uh, you know, three kids, a wife and a half a dog, or something like that. And so I'm average Joe, but my house is not very big, it's a three-bedroom house. And my parents are up in Canada, my brother lives in Alabama, but we always try and get together at the holidays, and this was my year to host uh, our holidays. So I had 16 of my family members in my house, three-bedroom house, 1,300 square feet, 16 people. Just it's not very big for that many people. You guys get that, right? Okay. So now we're there out doing stuff. My brother went down to Legoland. Uh, my mom and my grandma and my aunt and my wife were all at home. And I was working and, and kind of working on the road. And I, I stopped to pump up gas across the street. I was done work early. And across the street, there was a, uh, an, adult establishment, uh, an adult establishment that I thought, oh, it would be cute if I just went in there for a little bit. Um, and this is uh, right about the time when, when I had just gotten a smartphone that could take pictures. Uh, so it's a while ago. <laughs> so I go into this, I go into this place and, and uh, kind of keep it a little bit short, uh, take a couple of photos, and there's a bigger guy there that is uh, kind of like a bouncer. Yeah. So he, he sees me and takes my phone and kicks me out. So I'm outside. Now I kind of got to get home, but he's got my phone inside. Um, and I didn't know what was going on, so I'm trying to figure out outside. I'm nervous, and what do I do? And uh, he's flipping through my directory inside, and he calls my wife. And he says, hi, I've got your husband here taking pictures. Um, what do you want me to do? <laughs> and if you, if you know me and some stuff, my wife's like, <laughs> who is this? You know, thinking it's one of my buddies playing a joke, but it wasn't. And uh, so... Along with that for me, um, that issue, uh, I became the world's greatest liar throughout my life. And that's probably the bigger issue in my wife and I's communication is kind of that trust and, 
I just, I can lie. I'm very, very good at it. I'm not proud of it. Sounds like I am, but I'm not. Um, so anyways, uh, I get on the phone, pay phone. I, we had pay phones back then. So I called her and, hey, I'm running a little bit late. She's like, where are you? Uh, just, I just got gas. I'll be home soon. Where are you? Uh, nothing, nothing. I'm, I'm uh, just, I'll be home in a bit. Don't worry about it. And Where are you? I want to know. And I didn't know she'd been talking to this guy on the inside. And I'm lying through my teeth all along the line. And finally, she's like, I know where you are. It's time to come home. And then I, I got my phone back, and, and I'm driving home. And this is the part where you remember 16 people in a small house celebrating the holidays. So that's where I think God's got quite a sense of humor. And that became a real rock bottom for me. It kind of became a turning point in in our lives, and, and that's where I say if my wife wasn't just absolutely committed to Christ, she said to me that whatever I choose to do, you know, she's just going to, she'll live in a loveless marriage. She'll, she'll do this, you know, even though, and, and it was a very, very dark time for our family. Um, but we're, we're on the other side of that now with a lot of pain. And, and guys, I just, and gals, I want you guys to know that porn is not an innocent sin. And it's going to come out of the darkness. It's, if, if God, you know, this is how I had to come out of the darkness. So <laughs> it'll happen, you know. So it's not innocent. It affects a lot of people. But that's where I kind of pull back to my normal thing of you can, you can get through this. But sin needs to get come to the light. You've got to get out of the darkness. You can't continue what you're doing. It's just it's, it's not good. It's not what needs to be done. Uh, so last thing from me. Um, my wife and I uh, are going to uh, start, we'll host uh, anybody that may need to uh, um, be in similar circumstances. So you can, you can kind of, how do I, anyway, uh, so if you want to, we're going to have a, a, we don't know when, a, a dinner at our house, and it's just literally a dinner. We're not going to go through a book together. We're just going to sit and, and uh, you know, be losers together. Uh, if <laughs> I'm very good at it. That's, well, we do that on Sundays, too. Yeah, well, so it's, a, it's kind of a... It's safe to belong. That's there. why I came here. I heard right. it was safe to belong for right. a guy like me. So yeah. Mike, Mike gets to say he's the biggest loser in the room at a time. Today, guess what? It's not him. It's me. So we're going to have... Uh, you can go to info at vox.com. They'll get that to us, and we'll contact yeah. you and let you know when the first time we're going to just meet together, and hopefully I won't be cooking, and that's good. Yeah, we'll order in if we have to. But uh, I think that's about it. Beautiful. Dude. Oh, wait, no, there's more. I had a main point. No, I was, I was going to I know, you're clapping. clapping. I know, I know, I know. Okay, okay guys. Got 30 seconds. Okay, 30 seconds real quick. In the 70s, 80s, you had things you can view uh, that were, you had to go out and find it. In yeah. the 80s and 90s, became a little bit easier, became a little more accepted. Today, okay, because I have an 18 and 15-year-old now and a 3-year-old, but it's all on here. And don't run and hide. It's there address it with your family. This, it's a, that, I just wanted to make sure, like, it's going to come around. For guys, for girls, address it. Don't let this stuff go swept under the rug. Yeah. Does that make sense? Uh, okay. Yeah, it makes right. sense. Hello. Way too easy now. All right, ready? Okay, yep. Go. Okay. All right. So, so uh, one of the things we, we're very passionate about uh, being really honest, to talk about anything, to talk about real stuff, to not have it all tied up in pretty red bows. And so sometimes you hear stories from folks that have walked with Jesus um, for a long time. Sometimes you're hearing stories from folks that have, are just new to this whole thing. Sometimes you're hearing stories from folks that wrestle with this issue or this issue. And, uh, and we just want to create a space where um, things that normally aren't talked about 
are talked about. And I love, uh, I love Chad's heart. If, you're, if you are in that spot and you need somebody who can look you in the eye and say, I know exactly what that's like, email us at info at voxoc.com, info at voxoc.com, and we'll put you in touch with him, all right? Uh, this morning, what we're going to do is we're going to keep moving. Were you taking a picture there, young lady? No, I mean, let me, let me, let me get it right. Let me... I mean, don't, you know, don't get me this way. Make sure you, um, so, so, um, we, we started, we're two weeks into a, a, a series of uh, teachings. That's lo- we're looking at one verse, John three sixteen, And one of the things that we've heard from you is, Hey, we'd love to ask questions about the stuff we're hearing. So there's a number that you can text. Uh, to ask questions. So we're going to put some of those just really quickly, like three or four minutes, and then we'll dive into this week. Love the talk. Does holding the name well, remember last week, if you, you, know, if you were here, and if you have any memory, because you retain like 10% of this stuff that I put all this time into. Um, does you, we carry the name of Jesus was the idea. Does carrying the name well primarily mean to live morally? Is there any contrast between this lifestyle and my moral secularist friends? Great question. First of all, can you be good without God? Yeah, absolutely. You're made as an image bearer, right? They're, they're, we're made to do stuff. We're like that, that's built into us. There is this thing called common grace. So not all Christians are good people and not all non-Christians are bad people, right? So just be done with that. There is, when you carry the name of Jesus, there is a specific kind of goodness you are to exhibit. And guess, guess what that goodness looks like? It looks like it's Jesus-shaped. So it's the love of enemy. It's the love of neighbor. It's the, it's the love of God. It's the, it will look different, not because you're good and they're not, or they're good and you're not. It's that it should have a Jesus-shaped flavor to it. You should be upset at the things that Jesus was upset about, sad about the things that Jesus was sad about, looking very much, not perfect, but progressively more and more Jesus-shaped, which, because we don't, Right, leaves room for the biggest objection that people have to following Jesus. Namely, he doesn't seem to make any difference because look at all the hypocrites in the church, of which we say, yep, here we are. All right, next. Just had a question on something Mike was, uh, said about the Pharisees of Jesus' day. Was it normal for the religious leaders to plot to murder other rabbis? No. Now, in an honor and shame culture, it was totally normal to try to bring dishonor to your opponents. That was normal. But the whole plotting to kill thing, that was a bit unusual. Now, that had happened to other religious teachers, but the thing that was so interesting is that everybody united against this Jesus. It wasn't just one of the Jewish sects of the time. It was the political and religious and leadership establishments of Israel. Next. Well, no, that was not a plant. That was a legitimate question that came in. Whoever said that, I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Chad has had his struggle. I have had mine. And so, number four. Does everyone have to be a scholar to be a Christian? Thankfully, no. Because that would rule us out. 
I say this in regard to trying to understand culture and ethnicity in the Bible for a better understanding of Scripture. Here's our view of the Bible. Are you ready? A child can understand it. It's so simple. That's why we're looking at John 3.16. For God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have life eternal. Kids can understand that. And yet, you can spend the rest of your life plumbing the depths of that and never reach the bottom. So Christians have this phrase that I hate. They talk about being fed in church. I I go to a church because I'm fed, or I leave a church because I wasn't being fed. The purpose of this gathering isn't to feed you, it's to make you hungry. Do you understand that? Our, Our goal isn't to leave you here with a nice religious buzz to get you through your week. That's not at all the goal. The goal is to awaken something so that you, in the community you're in, pursue this God who is pursuing you. That's the, that's the thing. So do you have to be a scholar? No, not even remotely. But part of what we do here is we just remind there's always a bigger context. It doesn't mean you have to know it. It just means you have to be so careful with the what's this verse mean to mean thing. Because uh, we beat each other up a lot with Bible teaching that isn't actually accurate to what it's saying. So we just, we just want to be humble. That we're, just because our English Bible uses English words, there's a backstory there too, all right? That's all that is. So if you're becoming hungrier, hallelujah, our job is successful. And that's why we're big fans of potluck. Now, throw John 3.16 up there, if you would. So we're going to spend all fall on this, and we're moving on to a new phrase. Okay, so we're going to hit so loved today. So for God so loved the world, he gave his one and only son. Whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. Now, the word love there... English, English has a lot of uh, limitations, right? We all know Jesus didn't speak English. God doesn't speak English. Heaven, English will not be the language that we will speak in heaven. Who knows what it will be? But love, the word love is really weird because I love ice cream. I love Pearl Jam. I love 80s music. I love my wife. I love my kids. I love football, as my wife says. It, and I, it, that's out of order. It should be football and then family. You need to start, you need to stop chirping over there, honey bear. Okay? Don't give it away. But we use the same word, right? For, for really dumb things and for really important things. The Greeks had lots of different words for love. The word that's used here is the word that gives us a very Christian word, the word agape. Agape love is a very specific kind of love. It's different than friendship love. It's different from romantic love. It's different from sexual love. Agape love is the highest form of self-sacrificial, self-giving, boundless, without limitation, gift, with no thought of return kind of love. It is, I mean... There's some thought in scholarship that the Christians either hijacked this word or invented it to describe the way that God loves so differently from the way that you and I love each other. So the word love here is incredibly significant. But the thing that's really interesting, and I know you're dying to know this, you see that D on the end of loved? God, it doesn't say for God so loves the world or that God is loving the world. It's in the past tense. God loved, past tense, the world. 
And that is an English way of telling you something very interesting in Greek, which is what this was written in. Namely, that the Greek tense of loved means that something happened in the past that is a statement of fact that still reverberates through reality today. That's the idea. Something there, there was a moment, something happened in the past, but it's still true today is the idea. That God loves so much he did something and that reverberates through reality today. Now, if you have a Bible, go if you would to Ephesians. If you don't have a Bible, put everything up on the screen, of course. Go to Ephesians. God's love, God's purposes, God's uh, plans for human beings are spoken of really interestingly in this tense. This tense kind of picks this up. Um, Ephesians chapter 1, really quickly. Ephesians, Ephesians, Ephesians. All right, here we go. Ready? God chose us in him. And then notice this. Before the what? It seems like there are people here. That's another thing about back row folks. They're not usually going to shout it out. So, hey. What? Yeah. So let's try that again. Slackers. For he chose us in him, what? Before the creation of the world. All right, so that's interesting. So from science we know matter and time and space were all created in a moment. So before that happened, God displayed some sort of chosenness, some sort of intention. Flip over to the book of Titus, which, you know, we were all there yesterday. It's at the end of the T's. So you have Thessalonians, and then Timothy, and then Titus. It's very conveniently arranged for you. All right, I'm going by myself. Evidently, Titus chapter 1. Notice this. Paul, a servant of God, apostle of Jesus Christ, um, to further the faith in God's elect, their knowledge of the truth that leads to godliness. Verse 2, in the hope of eternal life, which God, who does not lie, promised what? Before the beginning of time. So, or, or flip, uh, go ahead and put the other, other passages up. This is spoken of so weirdly in the Bible. So Jeremiah, Old Testament passage, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. So before time, I knew you. I pointed you as a prophet to the nations. Next. The Lord appeared to us in the past saying, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Now the word everlasting in Hebrew, you're dying to know, has the nuance of something that's hidden or concealed. In other words, if you were to look to try to find the origin of God's love and purpose for human beings, you could not find it because it's everlasting. There's no, it didn't start some, it's always been, is the idea. Next. The psalmist says this, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Right? So there's this idea, because even the word before time, I mean, that's totally nonsensical, correct? Because before is a time word. So how do you speak of something prior to time without using a time word, which necessarily invalidates the statement you're trying to make? 
So the idea that's presented is that God's intentions for humanity existed before humanity existed, existed before time existed and matter and space. There's something, there's an independence of God and his purposes that exists prior to you doing anything. All right? God's love, that D on God so loved the world, speaks of a love that is outside of the very time it's trying to capture. For God so loved the world, that D tells us there's something, you can't find the origin of God's love, you can't find the beginning of it, you can't find the start of it. And the reason, look at me, the reason this matters is is simply for this reason. Because you weren't even alive yet and you were loved. You can do nothing to lose it because you did nothing to get it. Do you understand that? Now, now all the Christians in the room go, of course, of course, of course, God loves us. And we think we understand exactly what that means. I don't think we understand exactly what that means. See, there's a, there's a picture of God and God's rescue plan for human beings that goes like this. God is a cosmic lawyer. We have all been guilty of massive amounts of crime. There's a list of everything we've ever done or not done, thought or said or shouldn't have said. There is an accounting. There is a listing of all of the junk and all of the trespass and all of the sin and all of the darkness. And God, because God is just, the punishment for our darkness has to be poured out. And God, in his anger, offers his son to be the vessel for his wrath so that he can be loving towards us. Now, is that true? Yes and no. Yes, in some places the story's presented that way. No, in the sense that that's the whole story. The whole story is much bigger and more beautiful than just that slice that we've made the whole story 2,000 years later. Here's the story. Hey, what's God like? All right, well, God is like a shepherd who has 99 sheep. He has 100 sheep, but he loses one. And so passionately, he leaves the 99 unprotected to go find the one. And when he finds the one, he throws a party. I'll tell you what God's like. God's like a woman that has a dowry necklace of 10 coins. It's It's the only thing she has in the world. And she loses one of those coins. And so she literally turns her house upside down with such passion for what has been lost that when she finds it, she invites her neighbor, she throws a party. Or God's like a father waiting for a rebellious son to return home who extends forgiveness before the son can even ask for it. That's what God's like. See, the picture isn't of an angry God. The picture is that God so loved the world he gave his son. It wasn't his anger that sent Jesus. It was his love that sent Jesus. Do you understand the difference? I don't think so. Because there is this picture, the angry father, the loving Jesus, how do we reconcile the two? But that's not the, that's not the full picture. That's not the picture actually we're given. The picture we're given is of a bridegroom looking for a bride. The picture given is of parties that are thrown when what was lost is now found. The picture we're given is that God simply is agape love. 
And so the reason understanding the D, the reason that matters, because you can't lose something you never did anything to get. So the invitation is to rest in the love you've already found rather than to try to earn it. Now, we all know this intellectually. We all know it. But none of us actually live this way. Because for those of us who are Jesus followers, we wouldn't be so frenetic in our Jesus following and evaluating ourselves, good and bad. For those of you who aren't Jesus followers, it's very tempting to pose the Old Testament God against the New Testament God revealed in Jesus and to say, see, this is so weird. What this is saying is something different. So uh, a dumb story. Dumb story coming. Is this making sense so far? Hey, what's the, could you put the phone number up if you have questions? So we can start there next week. If you have questions about this. Phone number. That's an email address. I love that email address. That's a great email address, but there's a phone number. So I'm going to keep talking. Andy Bear, make sure it gets on there. Is it up there? Not yet? All right, I'm going to keep talking. Now, if you've been with us over the three months of our existence, you know this is perfectly consistent for the kind of operation we run. Okay, if it popped right up, I think we'd all fall over out of shock. All right. Oh! There you go. Go straight to Andy's cell phone. I don't know if that's true. So if you have questions, that's the number you want to text to. Now, here's why this matters. God did not come out of anger. He came out of love. So, suppose my wife is in a burning building. Okay? I know you're looking at her like, that would be tragic. It would. Um, and suppose, I know it's on, the building is on fire, and I'm outside of the building. Do I wait to see if she'll make it, or do I go rushing in? Well, clearly, you go rushing in, right? Suppose, suppose she was in there even though I'd warned her not to go in. Suppose she was in there out of her own foolishness and, and stubbornness. The building's on fire. I told her not to go in there. Do I stand out there or do I go in? I go in. Suppose she wasn't there for, for, for foolish reasons, but she was there for sinful reasons. And this would never happen, but suppose she was there to meet somebody else, to have an affair. The guy turns out to be crazy, sets the building on fire, and suppose I know that's why she went. Do I still go in? I still go in. Why? That's what love does. Our sin is true, and God's justice against it. But the foremost thing on the mind of God isn't, oh, these guys are just getting what they deserve. Ah, oh, these guys are so stupid, I told them how to live. Nope, it's the same thought you'd have rushing in for your spouse, or your kid, or your friend, right? The only thing that you're thinking of is what I got to do to rescue them. So this is the picture we have of God. It's not sitting there watching the building burn going, you idiots, I told you, come on. That's the picture some of us have. That is absolutely the picture some of us have of what God's like. You, your theology may say otherwise, your lips may say otherwise, but you live in absolute fear. 
of the God that is supposedly love. See, the D on the end of love means that something happened that we had no control over even before we existed that caused God to do something and the effects of that something still reverberate today. Go to Romans chapter 5 if you have a Bible. Paul puts it this way. Romans chapter 5. Is this making sense? The analogy? Okay. Because here's the great thing. When we get to two services, not everything will make it to the later service. Right? So the 9 o'clock crew, I mean, you, you guys get to go like this or this. And then who knows? There, some days there may be no teaching at the second service. It may just bomb so badly at the first one, you all go, no, it's actually just better if we sing the whole time. Or sit in silence. Or just go get coffee. It just, that was horrible. Romans chapter 5, verse 8. Very famous way of expressing this from the writer Paul. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were what? Christ died for us. Before the foundation of the world, before you were even made, before anything came to be, while we were still walking in darkness, God's love existed. It never began. It doesn't end. You did nothing to gain it, so you can do nothing to lose it. In other words, before you read a Bible verse, before you went to church, before you gave money, before you became socially aware, before you became religious, before you started reading your Bible, before you knew what it was to pray, while you were in the midst of your darkness and your disappointment and your despair and your failure and your screwed upness, in the very darkest moment, that you could possibly imagine the moment that you would kill to protect from you being found out. That moment, God demonstrates his love. That's what the D means. The D means that on a great day religiously, you're loved. And the D means on a horrible day religiously, you're loved. That God's intention for you is good to make you flourish, to invite you into the kind of love that God himself is. See, all the Christians in the room are like, yeah, 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 I know this. No, we don't know this. Because the invitation for those of us who follow Jesus is to rest in that love. In other words, we're not striving anymore. In fact, the Bible uses two really strong words to describe those of us who strive for God's approval. Right? Go ahead, put Isaiah up. All of us have become like one who is unclean, and all of our righteous acts are like filthy rags. Now, the word righteousness in the Bible is a good word. It means the things that you do that are aligned with the purposes of God. But whenever the preface, our righteous acts, is used, it's a negative word. And the connotation is that our attempts to earn God's favor and approval are considered filthy rags. Now, in this case, the New International Version is the neutered International Version because filthy rags, uh, ears, okay, he's, he's not even. Okay, it means menstrual rags. 
which is a bit stronger, right, than filthy rags? I have filthy rags in my garage. <laughs> right, when we dust the table, the rags fill, I mean, this is, like, it's about as unclean as you could go in Jewish consciousness, correct? So God, the God whose love you already have, looks at our attempts to buy, to prove, to earn, and he says, just like menstrual rags, guys. Or Paul, Philippians chapter 3, 2, 1. Paul says, listen, let me tell you about how awesome I was, apart from Jesus. If anyone thinks they have reasons to put confidence in their own efforts, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day, so faithful to Torah. Of the people of Israel, God's chosen people, of the tribe of Benjamin, I mean, clearly the Benjaminites rock, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee. As for zeal and passion, I was murdering church people. But whatever, oh, and as for my rightness based on my obedience to the law, I was faultless. But whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I've lost all things. I consider them garbage. Now, the word garbage, it can, it can mean that which is tossed to the dogs. So garbage, they didn't have garbage trucks in the first century. So oftentimes the city would have a place where it would, you would throw all your garbage and wild dogs, not nice chihuahuas, would fight over the scraps of that garbage. I mean, it was just an awful, awful thing. So it's a brutal image. But several of the Jewish writers of Paul day, Paul's day use the word not to mean that which is tossed to dogs, but to mean dung, excrement, it was, a, it was a swear word back in the day. You all know which one I mean, correct? Okay, I didn't know if I had to fill that in. So, how would you like to be told all of your religious efforts amount to those two pictures? A pile of dung and menstrual rags. Uh, could, it, could it be said any more strongly? No right where you are, without doing another thing. The fullness of God's love is directed at you. Does Jesus come to satisfy God's justice? Of course, God is just and he is holy. But what sent Jesus? The angry God or the loving Father? According to John, it was love that compelled Jesus to come. The writer of Hebrews said it was for the joy set before him that Jesus came. It's an entirely different picture of God than the one we normally get. So if you are somebody who is not a follower of Jesus, we're thrilled you're here. But please understand that the picture sometimes that even the church portrays of God isn't always the accurate one. If the good news doesn't feel good, then we at least have to ask why that is. And one of the truest images that Jesus gives is of a father sending a son out of love for people who are in a building, 
through their own stupidity or the stupidity of others, through their own sin or the sin of others, and it's on fire. And in the same way, I'd go in, in my small little idea of what covenant love is, this is the most massive declaration of what God does and what his heart is for you. For those of you that are followers of Jesus, the invitation is that you just drop the pretending. You just drop it. We have a part to play in our becoming more Jesus-like, for sure. But that's because all the work's already been done. You're just learning to put it on. There has to be a place where, as Jesus followers, we still admit, we still admit our marriages struggle. Our children can be difficult, not you. Our jobs aren't fulfilling. I hate being single. My marriage is empty. My partner just cheated on me. I mean, whatever it is, there has to be a place where we live the D. (laughs) That's going to be our new slogan. (laughs) It's about the dumbest thing ever. All right. So here's what I want to do. I want to pray on that note. I want to pray, and then we're going to do a bit of singing, and then we're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. (laughs) I don't know why you're laughing. I don't know. I don't know. I want to pray for these ladies right in the front. No, Father. God, I really do pray for those who are hurt and, and lost and broken today, who feel so far away from you, who feel like they are, they are cosmic disappointments. That the failed marriage or the affair or the screw-ups or the abortion or the porn or whatever it is, that's the defining thing. And that somehow we got to crawl our way out of that into acceptability. And so, God, I do pray in the name of Jesus that you would wage war against all those false images of what you're like. That we would be more and more convinced that the good news is really this good. And so um, we're going to take some time, God, to sing to you, to try to put words to our prayers that you would help us to believe it's actually true. If God seems far away, guess who moved? Did you ever hear that? Some of you, this was big like when I was a kid, which, you know, 10 years ago. Um, have you ever heard this? A few? I always, thought, I always thought that seems like the dumbest statement I've ever heard in my entire life. I mean, it's, well, it should be on the pile of cliches that we need to, like, do away with. Uh, and, and the reason is, of course, God's never far away. Like, this is the God who goes into the burning building. Even if the building is on fire because of our own stupidity, or our own sin, or darkness, or whatever, this is the God who never leaves us alone. This is the God who's relentless in his pursuit of us. This is the God who exhibits a kind of love that's a love before, not a love after. Right? I mean, he restored Peter before Peter apologized for denying him three times. He invites a man named Zacchaeus to have dinner with him before Zacchaeus says he's sorry. He pardons a woman caught in the act of adultery before she can apologize or ask for forgiveness. Welcomes a prodigal home before the prodigal can get a speech out. I mean, this is the God who moves first and moves always at us. So um, we're going to take the Eucharist together. 
And um, the Eucharist just is a, is a, is a fancy word uh, that refers to the fact that this is an act of thanksgiving. When we come to the Lord's table and take the bread and the cup, this is a way of responding to what it is that we've heard. This is a way of reinforcing why there is a D on the end of loved. This is a way of reminding us that, okay, that God's love is this real and this tangible and this powerful. And so if you're here, um, for some of us, I think maybe the bread and the cup today just represent the abandonment of trust in ourselves and our own goodness. Like, yeah, really, what, what I'm bringing to this table is a lot of nothing. It's garbage. Or use the real words, you know, whatever. Maybe you're, maybe you're, I know some of you are in circumstances that are so dark right now, some self-inflicted, some not inflicted. This is just the reminder that this is, this is the testimony that God enters the burning house, not out of anger, but out of love, that God is that good. For others of us, it's the abandonment of, of trying to be good. I'm just tired of being good, and I'm tired of pretending to be good. The journey towards wholeness in Jesus starts with just being real about where we're at. And so for some of us, it's the laying down of pretending. Well, good Christian people shouldn't feel this or do this. Well, it's not always true. So um, we're going to open up the tables. There's a gluten-free one as always, because we love you gluten-free people. We love you. We love you. You're safe to belong here. And we display that by gluten-free table right there. Secondly, I like the keyboard behind this, although it makes me want to hurry. You know, it's kind of like the Oscars. Um, next to those uh, communion stations will be people. Are you going to take that off? Oh, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say take it off. I, I'm, I totally got to be cleared on my speaking today. This is Carolyn. I was going to say people in Vox t-shirts, but she's cold. What is that like? What is it like to be cold? We have people next to these stations who uh, would love to pray for you. Some of you need wisdom. Some of you need guidance. Some of you need rescue. Let us carry that with you. There are boxes around the room. Uh, if you choose to worship through giving of finances, you can do that there. And then we're going to sing. And even when Eric says, everybody stand, I'm sorry, you don't have to. Um, yeah, okay, okay. I just, you don't... Because our assumption is always there are people here who couldn't sing these songs because they either don't understand them or, or you know, are like, I don't know what any of the lamb that was slain, what? What is this? Um, Holy Spirit, you're, what, what, what does this mean? So always we just give massive amounts of permission to sing, to not sing, to stand, to sit, to whatever. Um, but to engage however you'd want to. So I'm going to pray for us and then we'll open up the tables and then, um, and then we'll do this together. Sound good? Okay, he asked rhetorically, evidently. <laughs> oh, it is amazing. It is amazing uh, to be with my brothers and my sisters, knowing that we're all in, in different spots in various places. For some of us, today's a great day. It's a normal day, an average day. For some of us, it's really hard right now. And so God, we want to be people that mourn with those who mourn. And celebrate with those who celebrate. And we want to be people, God, for whom all of the ways the world defines us are rendered obsolete next to what it means to take the table together. 
that all we are, we're just normal people with unclean slates crying out for rescue. And so God, this is a celebration of your love, your initiative, your goodness, your mercy, the cost to provide this to us. It's a reminder of all those things. And so Father, we ask that you would welcome us at the table and that you would remind us that the good news is really this good. We bless your name, Lord Jesus. Amen. So, uh, the table's open. Go ahead. All right, we have a, uh, go ahead and sit down. We have a, um, we have a unique commissioning to end our service today. Uh, uh, come on out, guys. This, uh, I want to introduce you to the team that launched this community. They gave a six-month commitment six months ago. And this is the team that gave money, that gave time, that has um, watched your kids for three months and not gone to service. They, they love each other. Um, this is the team that really launched this uh, little community. And uh, today is the end of their six-month commitment. That doesn't mean they're not committed anymore. Uh, it's just that we wanted to uh, show you the, the faces of the folks. Uh, and the reason that we are here is because of what they have done and what they've sacrificed and what they've given. And so uh, we've extended invitations to them, of course, to stick around. Most of them are. Some of them are like, I, I'm going to go to a place where I, I can be fed. And, um, and that's, <laughs> that's fine. Um, but uh, the, the big deal is, first of all, would you say thank you on behalf of the community? These are the folks that when, when several big trucks showed up from Michigan with like stuff to do church, uh, we were out for six hours um, uh, on a Saturday and then I think four hours on a Sunday learning how to set up the signs and the computers and the check-in stations. These are the folks that before there was even a thought of a, a community, these are the folks that were in, uh, that were praying and that were supporting and that were working and it's just been absolutely amazing. We're gonna throw them lunch uh, later today to say thank you, but I wanted you to see them and to uh, have the opportunity to say thank you because they've all been behind the scenes amazingly working to bless the folks that come. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray over them and, uh, and just thank God for their sacrifice in launching this. We did it. There's a church here. There's a little community here. It's so funny. Eldorado, you know, was hosting Beauty and the Beast, and now here we are, a bit of both. And so uh, it's very, very exciting. So um, you guys can stand it if you'd like. We're going to pray over them. And, uh, and this is kind of our blessing for today. You guys okay? You guys all right? So I feel like my mood's been here, and your mood has been... About, about there. I just want to say that, all right? Because, listen, if you're in the back row, I expect that you have no mood at all. So I mean, you're, I'm just thrilled you're here. But you guys, I can see you, your sleepiness. I can see it. I don't blame you for it. I mean, I'm never... I'd go rushing into a burning building for you. I would. All right, anyway. Shut your eyes, you guys. You shut them. We're going to pray over you. And we, and we know God does his best work when our eyes are closed. That's just how that works. All right? So, God, we, you get all the credit. 
But we know that these brothers and sisters, these men and women, have been the instruments of your grace and your mercy. To have said yes to this, crazy, this craziness before we even knew exactly what it was going to look like. Folks for whom the idea of being a place you could invite the people you could never invite was compelling. Folks that love the idea of a place where you could talk about anything and, and you could be safe to come and to belong. Folks for whom the picture of those on the margins finding safety was compelling. God, so thank you for these men and women. And I pray as they look out that they would derive or feel a sense of deep appreciation for what it is you've used them to do. And so we give you blessing and honor and we thank you for them. In the name of this Jesus, amen. Amen. All right? And for you. Do some of you have to go back to children's? Okay, go. All right, and for you. Because we got to check your kids out. Love you. And for you. Let's do, our, let's do our normal blessing, all right? Let's do it. Yeah. Yeah. If I remember it. If I remember it. Been, uh, yeah. Getting old. Getting old, man. Mid-20s is tough. <laughs> So my brothers and my sisters, no matter where you find yourself today, emotionally, spiritually, physically, our prayer for you is simply this. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you. And these days, may he give you peace. Blessings upon you in the name of Jesus. Amen and amen. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. See you next time. Say hello to somebody. Hello. Thanks for listening to the Vox Community Podcast. Participate in the Vox Community at voxoc.com participate.